Hello friends, welcome to Conversations That Matter with myself, Mbui Shadrach. Today, I'm talking to one individual who really works hard and part of what he does is fashion. I saw a picture that he posted on Instagram the other day and the following day I was at the mall. To my surprise, there was that picture at a clothing store. No, he's not a model, as you might believe. He's actually a stylist, an image consultant and a digital content creator. He has worked with stores such as Identity, H&M and the TFG Group to put together some of your favorite looks. He has also worked as a stylist for Top Billing and currently Skip South Africa. From TV to digital spaces, he's taking up his space. His name is Siavuya Dondolo, aka Style Candy, and he joins us on the line. Before we welcome him, let us do the right thing. Have you ever wondered how those who make it through adversity and uncertainty do it? Well, wonder no more, because we have just the right answers. This is a podcast that is specifically designed to answer exactly that question. Welcome to Conversations That Matter with Mbuyi Shadrach. <laughs> Sit back, relax, and listen to the stories of change. Because this is where your greatness is within reach. Okay, thank you very much for your time. Welcome to this podcast and thank you very much for being here. I really appreciate it. Only but a pleasure. And thank you for making the time for me to actually come through. And being so patient after the busy day. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, I know, no. You're welcome, and it's actually my pleasure. So let me tell you, ne? Um, I wanted to be a fashion designer at some point in my life. But now oh, I but now I okay. realized that that was a very terrible idea. Um, because my idea of being well dressed is putting together a black t-shirt, a black pair of jeans, and a clean sneaker. That's my idea of being well dressed. But you are a stylist. Um, and before we start, I have a challenge for you. Okay. So, say I have a pair of dusty pink shorts and it's summer and I'm trying to go to, you know, a chillers with the guys. Um, which other two colors would you recommend that I wear these shorts with um, as, a, as my summer look? You said pink shorts, if I heard you correctly, yes. right? Yes. Well, pink is well with green or like a lime. So I would say a lime t-shirt would work. Okay. Balance the pink. So think of a watermelon, for example. You know that pink and that green that a watermelon has. Yeah. So look at that green as a combo that would work together with that look. And the other thing that would work with pink would be another pink, but in a different tone. So for example, if you've got um, a bubblegum pink, Maybe have um, maybe have a lighter one, a blush pink as well. It actually does work. It looks weird when you think about it, but if it if you had to see the outfit being put together, it would definitely work. Wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. Challenge number two. So I love sneakers, right? Um, yes. So I I really find them really comfortable. But here's the challenge. I'm also in a, in very different spaces. So. How do I look presentable going to a very high tea event that requires me to be very formal while still rocking my sneakers? Well, first of all, you have to have the right kind of sneaker for that kind of switch up. So find something that's more less detailed, like nothing with graphics or a sneaker that has a lot of detail on it. Something nice, crisp, clean and classic. 
and with not like with not too many badges or anything that's obvious. If it's a white sneaker, it's a white sneaker. Keep it simple and have it with a nice blazer and a nice pair of formal pants or a nice pair of skinny jeans, but in a nice straight leg detail in a darker color. So even like a dark wash, for example, nice white t-shirt, similar blazer as well in a solid color. Have a nice pocket square for the bit of detail that you can have, or even a lapel as well. If you're a hat person, have a nice hat on the back of your head. Nerds, if you want to rock nerds, or even have a detailed sock as well, just to take away that extra for formality and just make it seem make it seem simple and effortless as well. Wow. Okay. Now I have my look. Wow. Thank you very much, Sia. That was yep. wow. <laughs> that is <laughs> that is just wow. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so um, I know I, I told you that we're going to uh, focus on a specific conversation um, and you're going to start from way back, um, trying to understand your upbringing and to where you are right now. So as a start, I'd like, us, I'd like you rather to tell us about your life as a child, um, the place where you were born, um, your family life when you were growing up and some of your fond fondest memories as a child. Well, where do I start, though? How much time do I have? Because yeah, I need to summarize everything. <laughs> Please be as detailed as possible. Yes, summarize, but be as detailed. Ah, okay. I was born in East London, so I'm originally from the Eastern Cape. And I was born in East London, but grew up in a small town called Alice, a.k.a. Etikeni. And then I spent most of my holidays in Queenstown, so that's where my mom is from originally. It's called Ekomani when you totalize when you totalize it. And when I grew up, I've always been someone that loved fashion. But obviously I didn't know where exactly I did fit in. And I didn't know that it would shape me in my life, you know, as I grew up. So for me, whenever my mom would take me shopping, like for example, I was talk about when I was six or seven, I would make sure that now once I get the clothes, I fit them on inside the store. And once we get home and I've got relatives over, I will dress up for the audience you know wow okay and model them now so it started there you know but i didn't know then still what's going on so as i grew up then i moved to cape town in late primary so when i moved to cape town there was a case where as i would see your tv presenter auditions and i did take a chance this one time because I, I i've always been a tv fanatic so when i saw the auditions i wrote all the details down because i didn't have a phone back then so I was like at a little diary there to know when the auditions are, what time, where's the waterfront. I had to find these places. So when I went to that audition, I didn't know that you had to bring your parent and my mom was at work. So some other awesome lady, she chose to play parent for me and play guardian and decided to say that, hey, there's no parent for you here, but you're underage, but I'll be your parent. She was taking her daughter for that audition. The daughter wasn't happy with that. But anyway, the mom came through for me. And from there, all I, I met someone during that audition that told me about the fact that you need to, if you want to be in the industry, you need to have a model agent or um, an agent just to represent you. So I had to do my research, not knowing that in my area where I grew up here in Cape Town, that there will be a lady that actually has a sister that does braids. So one of the ladies she does braids for is another model that lives in Cape Town. So she was talking about me and then saying that we should meet. So she gave me a list of a lot of modeling, modeling agencies around Cape Town. So it was up to me to literally look for those agencies and hunt them down, know where they are. I, there was no GPSing back then in terms of phones. Yeah, I had to find a place myself. 
to know where a place is and know where to ask around when I get there. I could have been kidnapped for some some reason, but anyway, I was safe. <laughs> yeah. So I literally learned how to maneuver around the industry through that and reading magazines, like your drum magazine, your move magazine. I would try to make sure I've got each and every copy. If, if I can't afford it, if I'm at the salon doing my hair or getting a haircut or whatnot, and there is a magazine available there, then I would learn what's going on out there. There'll be fashion, fashion spreads in magazines. And I would see that a certain shop has mixed clothes here and there. I was like, this is amazing. Then I would literally one day start to have a phone and I literally was able to be on the internet more often. Then I literally started going to auditions because I found an agent. Mm -hmm. uh, some agents were rude. They would tell you that you're not tall enough, you're not skinny enough, or your skin is not really, it's not really like, yeah, you've got pimples, you know, breakouts in your teens, the puberty stage. You don't look the part sometimes for yeah. these agencies. So you had, you had to handle that rejection. And as a child, you don't know what's going on. You think these people are mean but it's just how the industry is. Yeah. So that actually taught me how to handle rejection because you go to an audition, not get the job, but the, by the time, but when you went to, the, to, to that specific interview or that uh, audition, sorry, you'd find that now the directors love you and they'll tell you that now you did, a, you did an amazing job. You leave the room thinking that you've got the audition or you're confident that you made it to the shortlist or callbacks, but you don't. So you had to now have a thick skin and know that now this is how the industry is. So those processes and those steps taught me how to toughen up. Okay. And but you, for me, yeah. yeah. And you mentioned the issue of rejection, especially at a very young age. How would you say that has sort of shaped the person that you are today? It's shaped me in a way, whereas it taught me that life is not always easy and you won't always get what you want. And you can't dwell on your problems. You always have to find solutions. So dwell on the problems for two seconds and then find a solution and move out of that dark hole. Because literally, not everyone is going to be about you. And not everyone is for you. And that's okay. So if you're going to literally not take everyone's opinion about you personally, you're not going to make it in this industry or in this life after all. Because sometimes you can leave the house telling yourself that you look good. And one person can tell you that you don't look good. Yeah, and maybe ten percent of the ninety percent of those people will tell you that you do, but now you're gonna listen to people. You're not gonna literally. You won't know your own identity. You won't know where you fit in. But you need to be optimistic and be strong. Yeah. So let me just um, while we're still talking about you growing up, um, you recently shared on Twitter um, that you really missed your mom. Um, because of mm. all the memories that you made with her. So when did you lose your mom and what changed or what are the changes that you went through when you lost her um, up until now? Oh, that's a very tough one, hey? Because the memory that, yeah, that, that, that dream that I had yesterday is still very fresh in my mind and it still really haunt, it haunts me like... Yeah, so I lost her when I was, it was 20, uh, 2018. I was in my matric year when it happened. Okay. So I had just started out in terms of getting my first modeling agency that I could be able to secure, did my first shoot, and she wasn't feeling well during that time. So okay. it was hard for me now to focus at the same time on her and also focus on the career that I'm trying to build for myself. But my mother's sister came through to help her out to make sure she's fine was in the hospital in and out until the day came that she passed on. Okay. That day, my world fell apart. I still remember it like it was yesterday, that 
the first thing I, I couldn't even cry. That's how 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 unsettling it was. I couldn't even cry. Like I was so weak that I didn't have the energy to even cry. Okay. And I didn't believe it. I went through that stage of denial that no, you guys are playing with me. Okay. What's going on? And the whole family was there. Okay. So literally when I got there, I literally the first question that I had in my mind, who's gonna look after me the same way that she did? Okay. Like literally I told myself that this is the end for me. There's no way out. So I just don't know what happened thereafter. Life carried on. I think I think the, the the fact that I was in boarding school for a while, it also did help out a bit to get a bit of independence. Yeah. And she being a single parent, seeing her struggle, but still making ends meet. And whenever it was my birthday, whether she had a plan or not, she would always make sure when I wake up, there's a cake in the fridge. There's a car, there's a card waiting for me next to me when I wake up. Like she made things happen. So I think yeah. like indirectly without even her teaching me, like I could literally see from her that, hey, this is how things are in life, you know, yeah. that you just need to just work hard. So for me, I think those lessons that she indirectly taught me, even though she would teach me, it's still up to me to apply them. So for me, I really did apply them from there, that I had to just hustle and survive. Okay. Um, firstly, my sincere condolences about the loss of your mom. Um, and I know that the grief stage quite takes quite a while and you, you take a while as well to get used to, you know, not having her around, but the memories will always be there, like I said on, on Twitter. Uh, the memories will always be there and those are the best and will sustain you. True. Yeah. Thank you so much. And you mentioned um, that she was a single mom and I've noticed that you mention your uncle a lot um, as the person I I suppose who is your strongest support system because you're always like, I need to cook for my uncle and, 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 and. Um, but <laughs> but you've actually never mentioned your father. What is the story there? Uh, let's just say it doesn't exist, basically. It doesn't exist. Um, mm. And has your uncle been you, the father figure in your life? He has, hey? In so many ways, because when I moved to Cape Town, he moved in with my mom, so they both stayed together for a while. So when I moved to Cape Town, I stayed with him for like a good four years, four or five years. So I knew him better there. Like we were all together as family, you know, and he was always there. When my mom is not around and she's just working night shift because she was a nurse. So he would also play that role of a parent even then. And when my mom passed away, he appointed her as my guardian as well, you know? Okay. And whenever I needed anything, he was always there. Whenever I even had to go to the bush, he was there. Everything through my journey in my life. And even with me, having to come out, he also was the first person as well that I had a deep conversation with. And he was also very, um, yeah, very supportive. Okay. Whereas in our culture, you know how it is. Yeah. Our parents were not as open-minded as what we are now with our current generation. Yes. So for him to be that open, it literally made me feel like, yeah, nothing can stop me now. So he's played a very big role in my upbringing. Okay. And funny thing now, as we're talking now, he's busy cooking as we speak. Wow. Also, he does cook as well. <laughs> so, yeah, he's an all-rounder. Like, for me, he, like, we all help each other out around the house. So there's no specific role that belongs to the ladies or to the guys. Okay. Everyone plays whatever role that they have, you know? Okay. Wow. No, Even much... fixing the kitchen cupboard, I did it as well. 
Yeah. And he also showed me how to do it and I did it. He was like, you know, you need to be independent. When I move back to my own place, at least I won't have to hire anyone. I can do that myself. Yeah. Now I just need to learn how to change a tire now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, much respect to, to your uncle. He really deserves um, the respect. And I know that you are doing everything possible to show him the appreciation of his contribution to your life. Now, you just mentioned the issue of coming out. What is your sexuality? Well, I'm gay and I'm fabulously gay to, to add to that, but I choose to be an individual instead of being boxed. Okay. Like I remember earlier on where someone was talking about the whole thing about us. I was, talk, I was posting about the fact that many people think that when someone is gay, you automatically become rich. Yeah. You know, yeah. like we are destined to that or we destined to be rich and all of that. And that's a lie. Anyone can be rich. It doesn't have to be just a gay thing or whatnot. And there are broke people that are gay. Yeah. Same as straight people. So there shouldn't be a boxing of all of that. And then someone co 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 commented on that post. It was on Facebook, actually. And I did post on Twitter as well. But it was on Facebook where someone literally said, Nina like near beta or whatnot, I was like, I need to correct this person very quick. Yeah. Like, first of all, you do not address me like that and just box me. And funny thing, this person is gay themselves and actually says this to me. So I pick up a bit of shade there that now you're literally now telling me. Now you're going to literally just box me. This person has never met me in their lives before, but they already have boxed me because they see what they see and they think that I'm also part of a specific group and that's it. Yeah. I can be gay individual myself. Yeah. Like for me, I still feel that now being gay is still a problem in the society that now people don't understand us. It's yeah. like we're a science experiment, basically. Yeah. And people treat us a different way and they think that they can literally just disrespect us openly yeah. without any consequences. Like for example... You find that now some girls that I've met through my life would literally ask me, Tommy, can you do braids? Or can you do nails? And all of that. And I'll be like, no. And I'll ask them, do I really have to? Is it a must? Or what is it? So it comes back to the fact that now I've had a, a serious talk with another friend that's in PR about trying to bring a different narrative. Because you'd find that now in most storylines, in movies or in soapies, you'd find that now character always has to own a salon yeah or is a stylist or a designer there's never like a role where a, a gay person's a ceo yeah. which is a reality that you do find gay ceos or accountants yeah. engineers or gays that work in construction or in the army like why should it always be a case where everything has to be one-sided or we always have to be fabulous why can't we just be rough like i said earlier on that i was able to fix a cupboard door and just screw up the bolts and just screw in yeah. the door properly you know yeah. like why can't that just be normal as well yeah if i love soccer and i'm still gay what's wrong with that like why should we be boxed yeah and have people and I, say those things to us yeah i think you're mentioning some very important things because there's a, there's a certain portrayal in the society of if you are gay then you need to do this you need to do that and we also have certain expectations especially as heterosexual people and i'm speaking as a heterosexual man that we have these questions that we constantly ask gay people for example when did you find out that we're gay how did you know and i one of the most interesting things that happened this year was one guy actually on twitter made a thread of those questions but asking them to heterosexual men and mm. what came out from the responses was quite interesting because everybody believed that 
no, we were born like this. We didn't have to find out. Then my question becomes, why then do you have to ask gay people when they found out if you believe that you didn't have to find out because it's normal? Like, why is it that for them it's not normal? Now, taking from this conversation, I just have um, a question. I want us to look at social media and its contribution to knowledge in terms of the existence of everyone else in the society. Why do you think, or rather, what do you think is the role of social media in promoting the rights and protection of the LGBTIQA plus community? Well, in terms of that, I would say that my role is not to educate anyone, but it's more of sharing my own experiences so that Mm -hmm. people realize that you could have someone that's gay in your own family, and here you are being homophobic and treating us as if now we're we're not people, we're animals or something, you know? Sometimes animals, you'd find they have more rights than us. Yeah. Which I find to be very sad because you'd find that now, yeah, that's how our life is at the moment. But sometimes you'd find maybe, um, you'd find that now you've got a, a heterosexual female friend yeah. that would literally say to you that now I'm okay with you guys. And they're happy to have gays around them, but they wouldn't be be happy if their child had to come out there and say that, hey, mommy, I'm gay. Yeah. Like for his different story then. So they would want people to be gay around them, but not in their own homes. Yeah. Which for me doesn't make sense. So you find that now, even if you walk inside a mall, someone you don't even know, you've never met before, just literally just looks at you and they already can identify that you're gay. And they think that now, just because I'm gay, you can say whatever. I don't have any feelings. I'm, I'm too fabulous to have feelings. Because yeah. you find those gays that actually have gone through so much, like me, but some of them brush off all of this through, you know? Yeah. So maybe that specific stranger has a gay that actually tolerates their nonsense. That they think that now all of us are the same. But for me, you can't just walk up to me out of the blue and just start calling me funny names or say nonsense to me and think you're going to just get away with it. Yeah. Or you find that now sometimes you go to a bride or you go to a place where there's heterosexual couples and you get there and you're gay. And you find that now some people do not even want to want you to stand even closer to their boyfriend or something. So you choose sometimes to even go to those kinds of situations because you find that now some people are uncomfortable because they think you're going to do something or something is going to happen. Yeah. Like as if now it's contagious. Okay. You know, it's a disease. Yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's, a very, it's a very weird situation that for me, I always try to use my social media whenever I can to always share my experiences. Yeah. So people see it from that, from that point yeah. that... Do you think if being gay was a choice, would I choose to literally risk my life of being killed? Yeah. Risk my life of being murdered? Do you know how many incidents we've been hearing lately? Some of them go unreported. Yeah. Do you think if it was a choice, yeah. would I wake up one day and say, this is how I want to live my life? Yeah. Where I know the consequences that comes with it. Yes. That I know a lot of friends that come from African countries where you know in Africa they can kill you instantly yes. or imprison you. You can't even open a case. If you have to be, um, if you're known to be a, a, a homosexual, they would kill you. Even if you report the case, no one will do anything. They'll just laugh you off or whatnot. Whereas most of them run away from their own countries to come and live in South Africa. Yeah. Where even though it's rough here, but as compared to where they come from, it's even better for them here that we do have rights. Even though those rights are not really well exec- executed for us. Sure. So you'd find that one lives a freer life here than when they are back home. Yeah. No, you've actually said a mouthful. But I do hope that 
every day that you wake up and make a decision to actually work on yourself and your dreams, you realize that there are people who actually appreciate you the way you are um, and do not see you through the lens of you being different um, from them mm. and from everyone else in the society. So following this conversation, I have something to ask you, ne? an advice. It's not for me, it's, it's for someone else. So I was okay. having a conversation with this guy um, and he disclosed to me that he is homosexual, but he's still struggling with coming out because he's scared. Um, he also highlighted the fact that he may be attracted to some guys, but he's afraid of actually um, expressing that feeling because he's afraid that they might beat him up. And you just highlighted the fact that there's a lot of violence, especially around that. So what do you want to say to him? Well, I would say to him that he needs to firstly find himself. Well, he will lose he will lose himself first before he could find himself and love himself better. Because literally, it's not easy. That even for me, it was a case of I did date girls, I did have friends that are straight, I did everything, but it wasn't me. It was me just trying to please everyone around me. But then, obviously, it was what society expects you to be. But once you know yourself truly and you get tired of all the society's expectations and you living a lie and not being comfortable with who you are, it does end up biting you in the butt that now the more you suppress it, the more it will start haunting you that now this is not you. You need to literally live your life. So I would say to him that he needs to start loving himself even more. Enough that even if he comes out and someone tries to deny him or reject him, that he loves himself enough to know that it's okay. There will be other people that will accept him for him. It doesn't even have to be family or friends. It could be anyone. Okay. Meaning that he needs to surround himself with the right people. And he needs to learn to be strong for himself in order for those kinds of hurtful things he's going to deal with. He's going to literally be able to handle it and not take things to heart. That if someone has an issue with him, he mustn't take that personally, that that person has an issue with themselves. And it's not him. But even for me, when I had to come out and literally say that enough is enough, I told myself that if I die, I die. I won't really now feel like the need to hide who I am. And, you know, I will yeah. just literally now live my truth and say this is what I want for myself. And it's not, And as long as if I did, I've never killed anyone. I've never raped anyone. I've never done anything to hurt anyone else. Why should me loving someone else of the same sex be a problem? Yeah. When there's people that are hurting and killing people out there yeah. that forget forgiven and we have a sin but just for loving someone else oh no i'm sorry okay. and i don't i refuse to say that now when i come out someone needs to accept me who yeah. says being heterosexual is the law and the right way of living yeah who came up with that like aren't we equal as people at the end of the day we share the same blood we share the same fab we all have hands and feet and everything no one is more powerful than the other one yeah well, thank you very much, Sia. Um, I know he's going to listen to this uh, because I was in a very um, tight spot because, you know, as much as I am very vocal, especially when it comes to issues of personal development and people living their true selves, it was kind of difficult, um, especially because of him citing all of this violence that's happening in South Africa at the moment um, against um, homosexual people and everything else. But I know that this conversation will actually help him and give him some perspective. So thank you very much for that. Now, let's talk about your career. Now, let's go way back to when you were in the fifth grade and the teacher asks you, Sia, what do you want to be when you grow up? What's your response? 
now you're saying when I was younger or if I was that age and I'm a child in that nah, period? When, when you were younger, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, I thought I knew what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a policeman at some point. Wow. <laughs> I wanted to be a fashion designer. I wanted to be an architect. There were so many fields, but that in high school, the, the, the only, out of all the options that I had, I kept saying, I want to be this, I want to be that. But when yeah. I was in high school, I remember when I had to choose my subjects in grade 10 for me to start paving the way for subjects that are in line with what I want to do. Yeah. So architecture was the one that stuck out because it's the it's a very funny part about it. I've always watched top billing when I was still in high school and primary, I think. So now... I wanted wanted to do architecture because of top billing because of all those beautiful houses. Yeah, I told myself that I'm gonna work towards being part of top billing, not knowing that okay, fine, post matric. So my mom passes away with matric, so I couldn't study further. I had to now restructure my life and find a job. You know. Yeah. So I told myself that I'm just gonna find a job and I'll work hard and I will see where life takes me. But I'm gonna fight for life. Yeah. So I was. I'm not. Just, I'm not gonna be a book smart person. I'll be a street smart person. And street smart people know how to hustle and get those coins. So I literally told myself that, okay, fine. I'm going to now use that dream for top billing in a different light. So when I had to go study further to be an architect, to be an architect I didn't enjoy it. Okay. There was just a lot of detail that actually started to bore me. Okay. It might be fine for the next person. So I'm not discouraging anyone not to go for it. It's just that for me personally, I was like, nah, it's yeah. not for me. I saw the glamour. I saw the, the, the fabulous vibe. But... When it came to the work and all the other other technicalities, it just became a bit too much for me and too overwhelming. I was like, it's not for me. Okay. I don't belong behind a desk. I need to do something more with my time. I need to be out there. I need to be in studio, run around and do all the other things. So that's where I started to join a company called TFG and I became a call center agent there. Then through being a call center agent, I worked my way up and I spoke to HR that now I want to do something in fashion. I don't want to follow the same mistake I did when I was doing architecture. Yeah. I just went into study without finding a mentor to guide me in the industry first so that I know if this is for me or not. So I never got that opportunity. So now I was like, let me go back to the drawing board. I dropped out of my studies then so I can restructure my life into fashion. Okay. Then I spoke to HR and I was like, HR, I want to do something in fashion, but I'm not sure what. Is there a buyer or people that are in fashion within the brand that can literally assist me, that I can spend time with them so I can understand what I'm getting myself into before I even start? Yeah. But by doing that, it helped me a lot because I was able now to at least find a buyer that worked in a ladies' wear department for an exact, exact as the name of the brand. Yeah. So I shadowed with her one day, just one, one day, spent a full day with her in meetings, with her suppliers and her manager and everyone in the team. I fell in love with the industry at that same time. And our conversations, me and the buyer, were, were like, yeah, the conversations kept flowing and they were all fashion related. Okay. But by the end of the day, she said to me that, you know what, you're going to go far in life if you, this is the attitude that you're going to present already. That three weeks or a month after that, 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 that session, she told me, by the way, there's, a, there's an open vacancy They've been looking for someone to be a, a buying assistant. They've okay. been looking for that position to fill the position for like six months already. They couldn't find anyone. Either a person's experienced, but they don't have the right attitude. Or someone has the right attitude, but not experienced. Okay. There were so many dynamics that they were trying to fill. But now she was like, as much as you don't have the experience, I see the passion. And I want you to be part of my team. 
that she literally fought for me to actually go to the interviews, do the assessments, and convinced her manager that I'm the right person for the job. And I told her that now, as much as this is a great offer, I will do my best to, to, to not disappoint you because now she took a chance on me. Yeah. But for me, I became a buyer's assistant for three years. So all the fashion trends, because in SA, we are six months behind okay. in terms of international fashion, that I literally learned what comes in to each season before it comes to SA. Okay. That all the garments that they bring whenever they travel overseas, they all come to me. I must pack them, uh, unpack them and steam them, get them ready for the next meeting and hang them up. Okay. But every time that I saw those clothes, I literally would grab them with so much passion because I'd be like, I do, I know these items are not in stores now. That once they're done with the meetings, they're going to sell them to the staff. I'll have something from a store that is not even in SA. So meaning that now when I rock up to a party, up to a place i've got something that i only own no one else has in sa so for me it's me that way that i was like i'm in the industry now and i can't drop my pin on anything i need to work that after that scale that i got there i was doing stuff with magazines i would style our clothes for magazines and our store windows nationwide so i would send a brief to all the nationwide exact stores and i would make sure all the store windows look amazing okay and then this way I started to become a stylist within that space. Okay. That once the three years came, I hit the ceiling. I was like, this is it for me. I need something else now. I need to grow. So the styling bug hit me and my buyer said, fly, babes, fly. Wow. So then this way, going top billing. All I did is Google up the Zolabello Productions email address on Google. Yeah. Got the email address, wrote, wrote a heartfelt email with my intro, the benefits of me being there my skill set, what my contribution will be to the brand. A day later, they respond, I got the job. So that's how you got into top billing. Yes, and I was there for a full year. But now I'm on a freelance basis that if you, if the presenters and the team aren't happy with what you produce, you're out. Okay. So there wasn't even a case of me, your survival of being in that industry would always to make sure you bring your A-game at each and every week you have to shoot. Yeah. So I made sure that now I'll dress the ladies and the guys each and every time that I need to shoot. Okay. That I have to now use the knowledge I had back then of handling rejection and all those auditions and bring professional at all times. That I'm dealing with celebrities now. And during that time when I was working for Top Billing, imagine people you always saw on TV. Now you get to work with them. But you can't be a groupie or be a fan. Yeah. You have to be professional and think about the work at the end of the day. So I had to now... Whenever they nom- name drop someone that I'm going to dress for that week and I have their number app and I need to introduce myself and speak to them and get their sizes and their style and so forth. Okay. Now, I had to be professional and not overwhelm them with the kind of love that I have for them. I had to be respectful and professional and work. Okay. So for me, that taught me a lot. Now that I'm doing the digital content creating work, both from that. So now that I'm here, it's been a journey. You know, you are living a dream. Which is really amazing uh, because it's from you watching Top Billing to actually being the one running around in the studios. And I think there's nothing more impressive than that. Now, you mentioned that you do content creation now and you are still a stylist and you're also an image consultant. So for a young person that wants to get into the industry... I mean, I'm from the township, so we know that when we see fashion, we know they are fashion designers, they are models, they are photographers, and they are graphic designers, but we don't know about everyone else, and you are that everyone else. So for somebody who's going to be listening to this podcast and be like, okay, cool, I want to get into that market as well or that industry, what would be your advice to them? 
first things first, I come from a small town, right, in the Eastern Cape. Yeah. And where I come from, there was a lot of people, a lot of character, so much love. There was a lot of different vibes where people just had their life. They lived their lives with the little they had. They made life so much happy for themselves. But for me, I found that a lot of people are very comfortable with having, for just living a normal life. Yeah. And, but that was okay for me. But I wanted more for myself that I had to think global, think out there, think beyond my circ- my current circumstances. That for me, I was like, I'm not going to settle for just anything. I want what I want. I don't know how I'm going to get there, but I'm going to work towards it. So you will need to make sure you're strong for yourself. Do not take anyone's opinions for, you know, uh, to heart. Yeah. Because you're going to ask advice from the wrong people. Not to say they're going to give you the wrong advice, but they'll give you advice of things they are scared of doing themselves. Yeah. Because if you fear, if you if someone fears their dreams, how can they give you advice on you conquering yours? Because that's what happens is that you're gonna get advice from them, and you say you wanna go live in Dubai. They're gonna laugh at you and be like, "How are you gonna get to Dubai? How are you even gonna get there? I've yeah. never been to Dubai, you know." Yeah. But where, if you now gonna literally believe what the person is saying is true, and you think that is the value that you can understand it, you'll say for yourself, you will literally you know water down your dreams you won't literally get to where you want to be you'll be comfortable being in that small town or whichever township you come from and you'll think that now Stanton is the standard and that's about it yeah how about you go to dubai how about you go live in new york you know there's programs where you can go through an agency and go work as a waiter or waitress or something there's ways around it just for you to get there but you don't even need to have money for that there's resources that you need to get for yourself and yeah. the right kind of people around you, you need to find the right people around you in your circles yeah that will help you dream and people that won't be jealous once you have good wins in your life okay. they will actually root for you okay. and once they know that you've announced that you're getting a good job or there's something new that you have in your life they shouldn't feel threatened around you okay. they should feel inspired yeah. to actually do better as well for themselves but they shouldn't feel threatened or feel any formal when you win okay so, so for you, for me, all I say, believe in yourself more than anyone else believes in you. That should anyone try to dampen your mood, that you can just tell them that, okay, it's fine. You didn't make your dreams come true. Thank you for the advice, but can I make mine come true? Yeah. Regardless. Hmm. But everything is there. Technology is there. There's a lot of things out there to help you get there. Yeah. Okay. That's actually... <laughs> Wow. Okay. That's powerful. That's powerful. So if you want to get into that industry, know what you want, work hard to get what you want and have the right people and know which advice to take and which advice not to take. Yeah. So so listen to advice with an open mind, but yeah. don't always listen to advice and always take what's been said to you or being fed to you. Okay. So all you need to do is also no excuses. There is no excuses. I had a lot of odds against me growing up. I could have been a druggie by now or an alcoholic or I could have been under some bridge and I would blame the fact that I don't have a mother, I don't have a father. Which is is literally what our youth are going through. Yes, but I don't believe in that. I know that obviously we're not the same. Some people are stronger, some people are weaker in terms of spirit. But for me, all I say is that if you're weak in spirit, find people that are going to be the good support structure around you. People that will mold you into being a person that's strong. Yeah. So hence, I say that you can't be around people that don't know how to, people that fear their own dreams. Yeah. Because people now live live through me now and where people send me DMs. I get scary DMs where someone would say to me that I'm living their life. Or 
Wow. They, 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 they're, they're jealous. They, they're not even ashamed to say it. Wow. And I'll be, okay, that's babe, scary. You, you, that's scary. But I, I choose to ignore it, you okay. know, because I don't know how to respond to such situations. And I always just feel, I, I, get, I get concerned and I feel sad on behalf of that person because I, I, I find a broken spirit in that person. Yeah. But why should it be a case of I'm living your life? Because if you had to walk a day in, in my shoes, shoes and feel everything I went through in my life before I got here, I think you would literally take back what you Yeah. Okay. You know? Yes. I'm still here. See ya? Yeah, I'm still okay. here too. Sorry. Okay. Cool. Well, thank you very much for that powerful advice. Now, I want us to talk about image and what it means. So I was watching your conversation on BBC with Hulisani and Karleen. Um, By the way, hmm. you are so composed on TV. I like that. And you guys were talking about... Oh, image. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and you guys were talking about image, which really sparked my interest. Um, And you showed these real-life clips of um, ladies walking around, um, building confidence and body images uh, which was very interesting but more than that your insights on how clothes can help with confidence were really informative and very well done i thought let's change this particular conversation to focus specifically on men so you work with several people in the entertainment industry in corporate and commercial spaces as well as in private spaces i'm saying private spaces because i was listening to i was rather watching a live that you did with stylista um, where you were talking about the fact that somebody had a wedding and they needed a stylist for that, and that's how you got that mm. client. Now, yeah. I want to understand how common is the issue of the lack of confidence, especially in men, um, especially when it comes to what they wear um, when going to events or rather just in the public? Well, I would say that in terms of the fashion industry, it focuses focuses mainly on the ladies. Okay. that you'd find that now I worked for a brand which was catering for both men and women, but you'd find that now when it came to, came to options, the ladies had more options because I worked in the ladies' wear department. Okay. So they had more options than the guys. So you'd find that now guys don't feel well represented, so they choose not to, most of them choose not to care. So they would just wear whatever that's comfortable or, you know, they don't know what to wear. So most of their girlfriends or wives would help them choose things or shop for them and so forth. But now there is a change that I've noticed that now some people actually online have pages that try to help the everyday gent, you know, on how to wear a white tee in three different ways or how to rock a blazer in a different color or different theme, you know. Yeah. So for me, I feel like there is still a big gap in terms of that because even when we were growing up, our parents would choose, choose clothes for us and that's it. Or our mothers would do that for us. For us guys, it's still a bit tricky when it comes to fashion. That even if we choose to wear our own things, we still don't know how to put it together. And sometimes you find that a guy sees us, a mannequin on the store window, right? Yeah. And want to wear exactly what the mannequin is wearing. That's not fashion. You can't just become a, you know, a real life mannequin. <laughs> you need to okay. know how to talk. But as a stylist, you guys put these things together, right? So what then is the difference or how do I decide? If I see a mannequin, how do I decide that? Okay, I'm going to need the pants that the mannequin is wearing, but I'm not going to require that shirt. Like what kind of decision making do I have to make in terms of actually liking that, but still getting a different outfit that almost looks like that? 
You know, my simple thing is, I'll give you an example. When I go shopping, right? Yeah. I wouldn't necessarily buy something that I wouldn't really need in the long run or something that would just, I would wear once and that's it. Or wear okay. it just one fit. That's why I say, don't look at the mannequin in the window and think that's the look and that's it. You need to find pieces that actually will work with, with what's already existing in your closet. Okay. So for example, find a pair of jeans that you could wear formally and casually. And if you know that you could work with a leather jacket or a denim jacket or a, um, a fur jacket or something, you need to know that when you go shopping, you visualize your own wardrobe that you have already okay. and picture that whatever you're buying will be an item that will actually fit in perfectly in your current closet. So you don't just buy a new outfit and you can only just wear it with that specific look and that's it. Okay. That's limiting yourself. And, you know, clothes are expensive now. The economy is tough as, as we see it with COVID yeah. and that's happening. That it's not easy now to keep buying things all the time. That's why I was happy that you raised up the things I do. That now we've started doing a campaign now with Skip, the detergent, yeah. that now they've actually, actually appointed me and two other stylists based in Joburg to be hybrid stylists. So what this simply means is that now we're all about making sure that we encourage people to start playing around with outfits in their own closets. Okay. When you go shopping, you go buy things that actually are going to work with what you already have in your closet. And not just buy things that are just going to be worn once or twice and that's it. Okay. That's okay if you want to do that, but it's nice to always have things that are going to work with what's in your closet already. That once you buy it, you know you can wear it as many times as possible and confuse people where someone would literally compliment you on the shirt you wore this week, not knowing that you'll wash the shirt today and wear it again next week, yeah. but now it's something different. So you need to know how to play with your own closet first before you go shopping. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Advice taken. Thank you very much for that. So another thing that um, you guys touched on, and I want to touch on it again, especially when it comes to men again. Um, and I know you know this because you work with, you know, fashion. Um, there's this thing of um, body dysphoria. And somebody on Twitter said that that's not even possible for heterosexual men to not be happy with some parts of their body. Um, and we know that on social media, we see all of these lean guys shredded, uh, but not, of, uh, not all of us go to the gym and not all of us look that, like that. So in terms of body image, how do I dress up in a way that I can still feel confident even though I have these parts of my body that I'm not necessarily happy with? Well, that's very simple, actually. It's something that anyone can do. There's no science or formula that's difficult for you to understand what I'm about to tell you now. Okay. You'd literally kick yourself if you knew what I'm about to tell you now, that all you need to do is to know the right fits. Okay. So, For example, every time you go shopping, don't just take something because you know that you're a size 28. You need to go to the fitting room and make sure it fits you preferably because sometimes you'd find that one store, like two different stores, have the same size, but the fit is not the same. Okay. Since I used to work in retail, I know exactly what happens that now when there's there's um, a department where you'd find that there will be a 2A. A 2A is where they make sure all the sizes work. They'll have a model come in to fit whatever the garments are that are going to go into stores. And they have to get the right sizes for that specific model. Okay. So the model would be would would work for that specific brand. So if the brand is all about being skinny or a brand about being fully figured or a mixture of everything then that's perfectly fine but you do find brands that use one specific model for all their garments 
So that's the problem because we have different body shapes in Mzanzi that you can't just now pinpoint just one model and give that as the, um, the foundation of what it means to have a certain size as a man. Yeah. So you'd find that a lot of guys that I've had to dress that have short legs. So you'd find that now they now buy jeans and have to go pay extra to alter those jeans yeah. because they're too long. So they're not being catered for. But now you also do understand, I end up understanding sometimes with brands because of cost, that they don't know how many guys that are short, that have short legs, that would buy those clothes. So for them, it's a bit of a risk. So they choose to go with the masses in terms of that. And it also comes back to that thing of just knowing your body shape and size and doing your research. Whenever you go shopping, you shop in many different stores, try them once or twice in a month or three months down the line and find a store that has you, that caters for your sizes and needs or your shape. Because for me, for example, there's certain stores that I know already that I've tried before that have jeans which look good, but they're not my body shape or they're not, they don't fit well on me. So I had to do my research as well and find stores that actually have, 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 um, have stores that actually find where I find jeans where that mold into my body and they fit my shape and they suit me. So you need to find those those gems and those places. And sometimes these places that you might find are not even that expensive. Okay. Well, thank you very much for, for, for that. Now I know uh, what to do when I go to a store because I'm literally, literally, this is my experience, clueless when I go to a store in terms of what to buy. Because like I said, a huh? jean, a t-shirt for me, that's enough. Um, and obviously winter, a jacket, that's enough. But I look at your pictures sometimes, like I told you the other day that I was looking through your winter collection on Instagram and it was amazing. I literally had to go to a store to look at that. And surprisingly, the other, oh, day, wow. <laughs> surprisingly, the other day, I went to Identity Stores and found an image that you had just posted on Instagram. Um, they, I'm like, okay, that's here. Meaning that look might work for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I wonder which image is that because they keep posting me and I keep posting on my page. No, we'll talk about that. Now, I want us to, to conclude by looking at the lessons from your career as a stylist. Now, Sia, you live a considerably beautiful life and I know that you have put in the work in the background and I know there are also some days when you don't want to wake up. But I want you to know that I'm really inspired by the work and the consistency um, in improving who you are as a person um, and working on your brand. Um, you've also experienced loss and you've grown through those experiences and also paid homage to those who have contributed to the person that you are today. Uh, thank you. Oh, wow. Thank you. You're welcome. Now, having achieved what you've achieved yep. and still having big dreams for your life, what do you say to yourself every day to keep going? <sighs> All I say is thank you. I thank myself literally every day because I thank myself that even through all the hardships, I'm a big dreamer and I'm a very romantic person. When I say romance, I'm talking about relationships now. Yeah. I'm talking about, I always picture good things for myself and for those around me. That there's things that I do where I create my own little safe space at home. Yeah. I always make sure that I buy myself scented candles to have a nice aroma in my room. I have room sprays as well. And I always make sure that I find time to, especially after how COVID knocked everyone last year, 
it hit me so bad that I told myself that I vowed that once I bounce back and I pick up the pieces yeah. and I dust myself off, I'm going to do the best that I can to work hard and to spoil myself as much as possible. So self-care is a form of self-love. That I'll make sure that I always thank myself and work as hard as I can. That even on the dark days and when it's rough, I'll prepare myself mentally that this is just part of a lesson and I need to learn and I'll grow from that. The moment that I learned that lesson, that dwelling on a problem has never been something that I would ever do. Okay. I always see the good in everything and everyone around me. That for me, I find that even if on my dark days, I still push and still carry on. That's regardless powerful. of everything that I've been through. That sometimes you find the strangers come to me once and they were like, Wow, how's your family? You know, what yeah. not? And when I tell them that I don't have parents, I don't have, you know, I don't have like parents, yeah. right? Physically with me anymore. But they always get shocked that. But we thought, and I'm like, no, it's just me. I just, this is who I am. This I do everything on my own. I've got yeah. support, in, uh, support structure at home, but this is still me. Yeah. So for me, I always thank myself for that, to have that spirit that, hey, in the midst of all the pain and the struggles, you still remain optimistic that even if I speak to someone on WhatsApp, you do find people that are very negative, Yeah. you know, or people that are so prone to struggles and, and poverty and all of that. I choose to stay away from that of my, my for my vocab i social distance yeah from from from, from a vocab that seems very rough all the time yeah. but even if when someone tells me that they're having a bad day or they feel like this is what their life is supposed to be their, their life is all about punishment they're supposed to suffer i tell them no it's your choices that actually make your life better yeah. but if you're gonna live like that and you're gonna accept that that's how your life should be it will be like that you're yeah. speaking that into existence into your life if you're always going to complain about not having money or there's nothing in the fridge and all of that, and you keep talking about it, you're literally bringing, bringing yourself down by doing that. Yeah. So for me, I'm the kind of person that's a romantic thinker. But for me, I always want to maybe have a nice glass of bubbles, have my candles, jump in a bubble bath, the relax. soft life. You know, dream big. Yeah. I manifest and I also just want to just do yoga. I love hiking. I love just being adventurous, going horse riding. I'll save up if I want to go in a helicopter. I know it's expensive, but I'll save up if I want to do that. Yeah. For me, I always dream romance in my life. So me for too. me, I always try to make sure that I, I didn't have much while growing up. There was a lot of love. There was a lot of support. But in terms of finance, it was rough. Yeah. But I, even in the midst of all of that, I still dreamed big. Yeah. That everyone that looks back from when I was young and looks at me now, they're like, we've always seen this coming. Yeah. So whenever, whenever I go home, they're like, we know. So for me, it's a case of I've always dreamed luxury. I've always dreamed about a good life for myself. Yeah. I didn't know how I'm going to get there or how I'm going to do it, but I'm glad that it's paying off. Yeah. So I always thank myself for just being able to never give up on those dreams. And it's really beautiful to watch. Now, <laughs> wow. Now, you work in a very creative space, right? And you have to be very creative. Bake and bake, literally week in, week out. What are some oh. of the lessons now from your professional point of view that you can share with other content creators uh, that you've learned so far? Well, I would say is that you need to have a strong head, first of all, yeah. and you need to be able to be an all-rounder. Being a people's person has been the best formula for me that you might find that if you are a person that's going to act like you own things and you're better than everyone else, you won't make it. Yeah. Opportunities come from places you least expect. 
that don't look down on other people and think that that's it. You might find that a lot of rich people and a lot of connected people don't even care about fashion. So they don't always look the part. And they don't have to look the part for you to know that they have money or they've got good contacts. But you might find that you might be rude to someone and this person could have been your plug to the next job. Yeah. But people don't know that. They would look for someone that looks expensive and that looks cute and they think they're the person that the right connects. But you find that now it's quite opposite. Yeah. So there's been a case where, as even in the industry that I'm in, I've found amazing people that are my support structures. People that find me work without me even having to say anything or do anything. They just literally refer me just because I always just post and share things that are in my heart and in my destiny and things that I want to do. The people and the people in the universe hears me when I post those things out and put them out there. Then yeah. I would say to you, you need to work hard. And sometimes you'll deal with strangers. I don't know how many times I've found jobs where I have to just deal with someone online, whether via email or DM or whatnot. Yeah. And things just work out just because you're a people's person. And people can pick up your energy when you're actually just riding the waves, yeah. you know? But yeah. if you are a genuine person, people can pick that up. Yeah. And you might know, never know, even if someone is trying to be maybe malicious to you or do something funny because they don't know you, that the moment that you become yourself and you treat them with so much respect as well, the same way that the same respect you expect is the one that you give. Yeah. That even if they were thinking of doing something dodgy behind your back or sell you out, that they would literally find a conscience inside of them to say, ah, this person doesn't deserve this pain. Yeah. That I will do better for them. And the other thing that I also learned in my life is to never look down on people in terms of even security guards, in terms of cleaners, kitchen staff. Because when I used to be a buyer's assistant, there was a case where a lot of the cleaners and a lot of the security guards and the drivers, people just looked down on them, you know? Yeah. And they were so used to it that they were already okay with it. But being in the position that I was, there was a case of certain people of, or different levels, they only befriend people in those levels they are in. Yeah. Like you can't be friends with management if you're not in the management position yeah. or not close enough. You can't be friends with so-and-so if you're if they're on this level or they, or they don't have this title, you know? Yeah. So for, but for me, I was the kind of person that I was that I would fit into any space. Whether you're a security guard, with your higher management, you're a shareholder, board meeting, whatever, I'm there. But I remember one time, I forgot my access card to get into the office. But security knew me and they knew how I am. They didn't even give me problems or give me problems for me to sign in and all of that. They just said, ah, see, I come in, yeah. you know? Sometimes if I forget my lunch and it's time for me to, you know, it's lunchtime. The kitchen staff would make sure that I've got a big bowl waiting for me already there, you know? Yeah. They'd be like, no, it's fine. It's on us. Mm. Or they'll give me an extra serving when everyone else gets like a normal portion. Yeah. So it's all those little things that make a huge difference that people don't they take for granted. Yeah. You make someone feel special and you make them realize their own worth. And they'll go the extra mile for you without without you even without them even realizing it. They're mm-hmm. just doing it out of the fact that now you're a good person and you give them that respect that they'll go in ten times harder for you if you are that person as well. Yeah. I'm also sensing a lot of humility and gratitude um in your life. And I think that's really, really, really beautiful. Um the last Thank question you. that I have for you is doing what you do and everything else that you're going to do, let's say, for the next 30 to 40 years now, how would you like to be remembered? Well, I would like to be remembered as someone who lived their life to the fullest. Someone who wasn't afraid to take 
different leaps of faith and just go ahead and just do things. Even if I maybe might not have, um, like, for example, you take that leap of faith, not knowing what's going to come out of that opportunity, but you take that leap and just do it. Yeah. You sacrifice, you take hard, high risks, hoping that now those things will work out. Yeah. Sometimes you, you, you dream so big that sometimes you, you gamble a lot of the, along the way. Yeah. That sometimes you just hope that your gamble pays off. But you always make sure that's calculated. So I want to be remembered as someone that lived their life with truth, honesty, and dignity, and someone that was just always happy in the midst of all the pain that we go through. Yeah. That I even did say to my friends as a joke that should I leave this earth, can I live this earth in grand style where it's not a case where I just got into an accident and I'm gone, someone stabbed me, I'm gone. No. Yeah. Can it be a case of I'm doing my adventures where maybe I'm on a yacht, the yacht sinks in the middle of the Atlantic or the interior, the Atlantic or Indian Ocean, and I'm gone, you know? It <laughs> yeah. is that I left this earth doing what I love. Yeah. Or maybe I'm on a head hot air balloon and we get stuck somewhere or it just disappears into the unknown. And I'm gone, you know? Yeah. At least they'll know that now on the day of my funeral, they'll cry, yes, because they'll miss me. But at least they'll have that, that conclusion at the end of the day that at least he and he enjoyed it. Yeah. And I documented my journey throughout my throughout my years that at least they'll say he at least also lived his dreams. Yeah. And he made them come true. Yeah. Yo, so that would be See, uh, you're such a beautiful human being. Um I could talk to you the whole day. But okay. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna say very thank you very much for your time on the socials. What are your handles if people want to check out your work? Okay, on Instagram, it's Style Candy Official. So think I Candy. So Style Candy Official, or one word lowercase. And on Facebook, it's Siavuya, Siavuya Dondolo. And Twitter, it's Style Candy, but it's Style as in the normal style, and then candy at the end, it's D-double-I at the end. Okay. Thank you very much, Sia. Um, enjoy your week. Um, and I know that you're going to do great things this week because you're such a powerful human being. I'll be in touch. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, thank you so much. And I appreciate you for giving me the time and for always being so supportive. Out of all the tweets that I have, you're one of the people that are always there to always show support and also engage as well. So I appreciate you so much for even reaching out. And I remember we spoke about this a month ago where you wanted to actually have me on the episode. And I was on my way out of Joburg that day. I was on the car train to the airport. And I was like, whenever you're ready, let me know. And I'll definitely be on standby. So I'm glad that it all finally happened. And I'm wishing you all the best on your journey. And I know there's great things coming your way as well. Because I know you work. Thank you very much. Thank you. I really appreciate it. pleasure. Thank you. It's an utmost pleasure. Bye. Take care. And that was Sia Vuya Dondoro, Style Candy. Let me just reflect a bit on our conversation. Um, it starts by saying life is not always easy and you all won't always get what you want, but you can dwell on your problems and you always have to find solutions. And based on what he's learned so far and this conversation, really understand um, that um, sometimes you have no choice, which would really be always 
um, you have to find a solution to your problem and keep moving on because the time that you spend dwelling on the problem instead of finding the solution is a time that you could be using to elevate um, yourself. And of course, he said that um, to reflect a bit on where he's coming from, he said that he couldn't study further after matric, but decided that he would be street smart. Instead of sitting at home and feeling sorry for himself, he decided that um, he would be street smart. And along the way, he studied um, architecture, but then found out that his fresh, his passion rather um, lies in fashion. He decided that he would consciously make a decision to go into that and find out everything there is to find out about what to do in order to get into that industry and door started opening for him um, with hard work and passion and being people's person and I need to emphasize this being a people's person and knowing that uh, your opportunities may lie in places that you can never think of so you need to be as humble as possible and treat everyone literally everyone with humility because you never know who might hold the key to where you want to get and as soon as you get to where you are have a strong head um, and be able to be an all-rounder and be a people's person um, like he said and if you're going to be the person that's going to um, act like your own things and you are better than everyone else you won't make it regardless of where you are really regardless of the space that you're in you need to be very humble and know that you will always always regardless of how much you achieve how much you accomplish how much you amass you will always need other people therefore you need to be very very humble and that was the conversation with the style candy and a very inspirational young man you can always follow him um like he said he is style candy on today and also style candy on instagram um this is conversations that matter with mbuyi shadrach remember at the beginning that we had a voice um over artists is sinemi vuyo mbulu sinemi vuyo m on instagram and twitter and sine the voice artist on tiktok My name is Mbui Shadrach, the resurrection of hope, deep-rooted in humility. 9870 birthed me and made me the citizen of the world. Until next time, stay true to yourself and remember that the story that you were born into is just the foundation for your greatness. The real picture is much, much bigger. Much love.